The underdog is howling. This is Stanford Steve and the Bear. Ah, yes. A home team getting points. What's better than that? Week nine. Week nine. Bear. Bear, Niner in there? You did hear a Niner. Next week at this wow. time, next week at this time, we'll be breaking down the, uh, the first college football playoff rankings, won't we? And just dissecting about all these doomsday scenarios about four undefeated and who's going to get left out and three. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of, real quickly though, uh, you know, we like to talk point spreads obviously on this podcast. You had a tweet last night saying you touched base with some folks in Vegas about a, Alabama UCF game if they played this week is that correct? Yeah, I had, I had sent Jay Cornegay uh, over at the uh, Westgate Las Vegas Superbooks Book USA on Twitter mm-hmm. and just asked because UCF is going to be a a, a a team of discussion in over the next couple of weeks and where they figure fit into the the landscape and and, and yeah Jay said that he would have uh, Alabama about a twenty four and a half point underdog to. <laughs> Is that in the first half or uh, no? I, I, that's in the game. I, I'd say Alabama oh. 20, 24 and a half point favorite. I, okay. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but off the top of my head, I believe it was 17 and a half. Clemson would be uh, about 17 and a half. Uh, Notre Dame, I think, was seven and a half uh, over UCF. So those are um, okay. those are potential things to, to, to be looking at. With uh, uh, And I'm sure those numbers will, will come up over the next uh, week or, or, or so again, just as uh, – standings come out and people debate the merits of UCF and where they should be ranked. Yeah, absolutely. And um, thank you to the people in Pullman also. Birch and Barley gave us a nice dinner. How about that setup? Did I not tell you it was going to be that good? Yeah, yeah, you didn't get... Birch and... How about the the proposal that took place in the middle of Birch and Barley barley last week? We were were witnesses to... uh, to, to a, a lifelong prosperity and happiness uh, being <laughs> being proposed there, and we didn't even know, and we didn't even know that that was, that was a that was a great burger too. That was good stuff. It was, uh, and Saturday exceeded expectations. Correct. It was how many? It, it was kind of like a movie or a play or something where you're so excited about it, you're really anticipating it, mm-hmm. and it never really lives up to what you hoped it would be. Not only did it live up to everything that we hoped it would be, it was more. And everybody out there was awesome. And uh, while we enjoyed it, I hope uh, everybody out there who was at the show or watched the show, uh, certainly it was everything that they had hoped for and more as well. And hopefully after, we'll be, and hopefully, it won't be another 15 years before us to get there. Yeah, correct. And I, I did my live hit around 1030 local uh, time Friday night. And then as I was leaving the RV park talking to some people and and taking it all in, I just turned around and I started seeing the sleeping bags on the hill. And I'm like, oh, boy, it's – and I walked over there. I just said, you know, this is unbelievable. And the people were like, we don't care about anything right now. We've <laughs> wanted this for 15 years. And we're, and I looked at my – clock. you know, it was like 12, 12.30. And they were there until for six hours and waiting for you guys. So I knew it was going to be awesome. And then you show up Saturday morning. and You obviously got there before I did, but – just an unbelievable scene. Shout out again to people in Pullman. We will talk about you guys later in the podcast. We will. Because we got to talk about that game and that line. Um, but we can't go any further in this pod without, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a fact, Bear. When, when we give, when I give you my picks and you give me your picks and we have a common pick, We're I think good. that pick's been pretty good. We we got a little lucky last week with that one. From what it was great, I got we on the, I got on the plane in Pullman uh, to go to West Lafayette. The first ever recorded flight plan between Pullman and West Lafayette on a college football Saturday, and I see ten nothing Temple out of the gate. I'm like perfect. Yes, and then kind of dozed off, head bobbed for a little while on that plane, and uh, as it does, got the got the wireless back and saw. Oh my gosh, we're we're gonna lose this one, mm. and then uh, all of a sudden I noticed. A tie game, and we wound up uh, pulling that one out in overtime. So uh, I guess sometimes better to be lucky than good. But yes, we have a uh, uh, another uh, another match this week. We do, and I will give you the lead because you're way better at the numbers than this. I will just give you an offer mine on the back end. But we are going to Ames. We are going to Ames, and uh, we both like Iowa State. Uh, I, I think that the fact that the Cyclones had the week off after that 
West Virginia upset win at home where they were completely dominant over, over the Mountaineers. Uh, they are a three and a half point home favorite now over a Texas Tech team that in the last couple of weeks has gone to, to Fort Worth and, uh, beaten TCU. Now they, they, offensively, they weren't great. They played with the backup quarterback, but defensively, uh, they shut down a TCU offense that has been turning the ball over all year. Uh, last week, they went back down to Lubbock, completely dominated Kansas. Uh, and now they have an Iowa State team waiting in the wings. Uh, we made a big deal about how, not we, but I, I think nationally, like people want to talk about Notre Dame since making the quarterback change and mm-hmm. how their offense is so much better and so much more efficient uh, with Ian Book at quarterback. You could say the same thing about Iowa State with Purdy at quarterback. With Purdy under center for that team, completely different game. Uh, David Montgomery is healthy. You look at Texas Tech. Next week, they have Oklahoma in Lubbock, which will be a huge game. And if you go back over the last four years, Texas Tech the week prior to Oklahoma, 0-4 against the number, 1-3 straight up, and that includes a blowout loss at home last week to, last year to Iowa State. So the same type of situation. I think this Iowa State team is for real. I think Texas Tech is good, and they might get Bowman back as well. But I, I like the spot for the, uh, for the clones. Yeah, I, I just the way it was one of my favorite picks last year. It was um, Iowa State against Memphis in the bowl game, and I just look at Iowa State and all the experience they have in playing against the spread, obviously in the Big Twelve, and then obviously playing that Memphis game in the bowl game. But I just they always have a great sense of keeping everything in front. They ne- they very rarely get ever get beaten over the top and. I mean, I would have to look at it more more closely, but I'll let our analysts handle that, which I think I think they they will do at some point. But it's just you know you always see just those three guys rushing, and Iowa State just seems to always set the tone on the defensive side, which is so hard to do in that conference. It's an 11 a.m. local kick. Um, you mentioned all all the stuff you know with Montgomery back and and the quarterback situation for the Cyclones. So yeah, I mean he's. He's so uh, quickly climbed up the coaches I would love to back uh, list in college football, Campbell at Iowa State. And, I mean, you really got to start thinking this this is it for him um, in Ames. Because, I mean, if other jobs are, are going to be open, I should say bigger jobs. But I expect a great crowd at Jack Trice. They're always awesome. And I really I really do like Iowa State here. Yeah, I'm with you in uh... – Wonder how many big college football jobs might uh, open up. We were talking about this um, on on the bus last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year seemed to be the the year where so many of these big jobs opened up, and there might not be as many Power Five jobs uh, that are that are going to open uh, because so many because of the recent turnover. I think people are mm-hmm. kind of thinking Louisville might open potentially if they if they exercise yeah. that payout. Uh, depending on what happens, I know the USC. Fans are, are, are restless over there. Last lack of success, seemingly. We'll be we'll see if that. Yeah, that seems inevitable now. So uh, be, be be curious to see what opens and uh, NFL. I've heard Matt Campbell's name kicked around for the NFL as well. So wow, we'll that's that's that. Now that's a whole new level. Um, all right, so that's our common pick. It actually works out great. It's a noon, a little noon action for you. Uh, you living earlier in, in the central uh, time zone. But um, we'll out for other picks. But before that, our guest of the week, Todd McShay, will be on the sidelines for Iowa Penn State. We welcome in Todd McShay, uh, fresh off his trip to Bloomington. Now he'll be headed to State College, uh, Happy Valley. Uh, Todd, I want to start with the tweet you sent out um Earlier uh, this week after the Penn State uh, game, just talking about Trace McSorley, and you said there are one or two players annually you wave around postgame to talk to and let them know how much you appreciate their effort and approach. Now, this is the second week of calling a Penn State game, you know, back-to-back. You, you mentioned yep. McSorley. You mentioned going up to Devin White uh, after your LSU call this year. Do you see off the top of your head, do you see another guy that you uh, on that list that you would – just want to talk to it. You know, you watch more film than, than most people. Um, do you see somebody on the horizon or somebody that you would want to be able to call this year? You know, I, Devin Bush is probably another one. Yeah. Devin White, Devin Bush, you know, similar players. 
I just, you know, I just love guys that love the game. And mm-hmm. I, we got to meet with, uh, with Devin White of LSU, and we got to meet with McSorley, obviously. And I didn't get a chance with, uh, with Devin Bush. But you can just tell most of the time on tape who are the guys that just love the game and put in the time and, and work. And then just, you know, with McSorley, every answer, we were asking tough questions. Remember, he was coming off back-to-back losses in a year where it started out that he he was you know early on very viable candidate to be you know in New York at the end of the year Heisman and and certainly in the on the short list of teams he thought that had a chance to be in the college football playoff and so a lot has been lost from you know from the beginning of the season until now and to sit down and talk to him you would have no idea you know it was all about my right tackle struggling with his confidence. I really, that's on me. I got to let him know. I, and I've been working with him all week. Like I got to let him know that it's okay. If you swing and miss once, I'll, I'll make the guy miss stay aggressive because when you, you stop being aggressive, then, then that's when you start to struggle. And, you know, there was just a lot of little things like that. And I can remember back to talking like Russell Wilson leading up to the draft and getting a, a similar vibe. You know, there are certain guys that just get it and that make everyone around them better. And no matter what's going on with the team and, and who's struggling and what the problems are, the focus is always on, let's go. We got this. And let's be confident. And let's, let's attack and let's go get the next one. Don't worry about the last one. You know, let's go get the next one. And that's just the vibe I got from him and, and from Devin White. And, and, you know, I just, it makes, it makes those long, that long Friday of meeting with 12 different people and <laughs> hearing all those phony stories and all the coach speech. It, it makes it worth it. You know, every once in a while, those things stand out. You mentioned Penn State, who, in all, in all likelihood, their, their preseason goals are now likely not going to be met. But on the other side, Iowa's a team where, yeah, they've got the loss to Wisconsin, but the Badgers still have to go to Purdue. Still got to go to Penn State as well. Uh, this three-week yep. stretch for the uh, for the Hawkeyes here, uh, Penn State, Purdue on the road next couple of weeks, and then Northwestern. It, it's really in in front of the Hawkeyes, and and I think uh, Reese Davis hit on it uh, Tuesday night on the the ranking show, and I think a lot of people might feel similarly. This Iowa team this year. I think it's better than the one a couple of years ago that was undefeated uh, going to the Big Ten Championship game. I totally agree. And I think things are starting to change in Iowa. You know, when you think Iowa, you think old school offensive linemen, uh, you know, Kirk Ferentz just pounded out, <laughs> win seven, eight games a year, maybe upset one team, but, but get upset by a team they shouldn't lose to. I think the hiring of Brian Ferentz a year ago and making him the offensive coordinator and the play caller has really taken it's it's changed things. You know, I look at the tendencies and it's not what they used to be. They're throwing the ball on first down. They're still yes, they're lining up with two tight ends. They're in twenty-one or twelve personnel with two backs, uh, one tight end. You know, one back, two tight ends a lot, and they look like the old school football team that I was always been. But then all of a sudden, it's, it's a reverse. You know, it's a reverse pass. It's throwing the ball on first down and coming back and chipping away on second down. They're just doing a lot of different things. And I think Nate Stanley is probably, I, I don't know that he's the most, but he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country. I remember not knowing, I, mean, I hardly knew anything about Nate Stanley going into the Ohio State game last year. And he had had some ups and downs like any first-year starter. But then I started watching the tape. And then I met with him and, and kind of got to know him a little bit and talked to the coaches. And then he, they go out and do what they did to Ohio State, obviously help the cause. But uh, this guy's talented. And I think he's a, an eventual NFL player. And, and I think he's, he's very much overlooked. So I'm, I'm excited to see him against a Penn State defense that's really good. A Penn State offense that has a great quarterback but has been up and down. And the wide receivers have been failing uh, McSorley a lot. So that, to me, this is going to be – while. It, you think about it and kind of everyone envisions, well, it's Iowa, Penn State, it's 3.30, it's the, you know, the kind of an appetizer to the big games at night. And I'm not just selling it. I, I think these are, I think Penn State is a hungry team, and I think Iowa is a very underrated team. Yeah, and you meant Stanley. They, the one thing that scared me off of Iowa this year is that they have nobody behind him and with any experience. And that, that kind of scared me off. But uh, 
My man Hawkinson's a baller at tight end. They want they move him around like Wes Welker back in the day, getting matchups. Love seeing that. I mean, <laughs> those two guys have nine touchdown catches. Yeah. The rest of the the rest of the team, I think, has seven. They have fifty one <laughs> catches together. <laughs> Noah Fant and and he like they're. They're like wide receivers that can line up and block in, yeah. in the interior. It's pretty cool. It's, it, and it, it's obviously given Brian Ferentz a lot of flexibility and different ways to kind of employ those those different personnel packages. Absolutely. Uh, I want to go big picture here. You've called, you know, met, we mentioned Michigan. You've been to LSU. Uh, when we look at these one-loss teams, you know, LSU, Michigan, Texas, Georgia, Oklahoma, Florida, and Georgia – you know, obviously play uh, this weekend. We'll touch on that in a little bit. Ohio State drops down to 11 in the rankings. If if, if you had a ranking of, of the one-loss teams, in the, you know, in a head-to-head game, who who would you take? It's a tough one, man. It really is. I, I think LSU right now is probably the most complete team. You can just hear it in my voice. I'm hedging it, and I'm like, I, no, I, exactly, exactly. Oklahoma, We're all the same. Oklahoma, Oklahoma is the team. Honest to God, on a neutral site, I wouldn't want to play. Yeah, I'm just I'm afraid of that coach. <laughs> I think he's as smart as any offensive coach in all of college football. You know, Lincoln is just he, he just gets it, and they're doing different things. They obviously had the setback against Texas. They bounced back last week, um, and I, I just think they're so dangerous offensively. We'll see if they continue to show a little bit of sign of life defensively and continue to improve. Um, LSU right now, I think, is probably the most complete team. But gun to head, that's the team that scares me the most is Oklahoma. Wow. The, the team that handed – What do you guys think? I'm, I'm curious. Oh, I, I, I think I agree with I'd you. Say, I'd say, I think I'd say Oklahoma. I'll, um, although off this bye week and then just hearing about how, you know, Urban's, you know, stepping in. I just look at that talent. I mean, that Ohio State offense is almost – I think they have more talent on defense than Oklahoma. And I, I think the offense is, is, is right up there. Um, and then you have the other side with LSU and Michigan. Like, I watch those two defenses every week, and it's just so hard. But Michigan's defense sticks out to me. And I just think about if LSU played Michigan, whose offense would you have more confidence in? And I honestly – I can't make up my mind there. I, I can't do it. I was going to say, what if the Oklahoma offense played the Michigan defense and vice versa? Would, would, the, would the Michigan offense be able to keep up with them? Uh, no. No, I don't think so. And I think that would be the problem. But I, I see here's, to me, this is the difference. I think offensively they're very similar. Terms, I'm talking about LSU and Michigan. Not mm-hmm. exactly what they do, but in terms of the quarterback play, I think one yeah. guy's a little bit more advanced, and one guy at Michigan's a little bit more talented, but is still kind of learning how to actually play quarterback. But defensively, you could argue they're the best two defenses in the country. I think what what Don Brown has is a better defensive front, especially if Rashawn Gary comes comes back and is healthy. Um, Chase Winovich is playing at an unbelievably high level, and everyone thinks he's you know he's He's this smart, savvy, tough, exactly. hardworking guy on the on the other end of Gary. I got news for you. He's going to be a day two draft pick. I mean, that's how <laughs> that's how effective he's become with his hands and how slippery he is as a pass rusher. I think LSU though is a lot better in the secondary. And I think what's interesting, and I, mm. not to get ahead of myself here, but no. what's interesting is no team in the country so far has tried to challenge Alabama's wide receivers, and these guys are unbelievably talented. It's the most talented skill group that Ed Saban's ever had, and it might be the most talented offensive skill group. I, even take the quarterback out of it. It might be the most talented group in the country with the tight end Irv Smith and Damian Harris at running back, two guys that are going to be top 50 picks, and then four receivers that are freshmen and sophomores that nobody really knows about outside of Jerry Judy, but they're averaging between 19 and 25 yards per, per catch this year. But you mean? nobody is challenging them. No one's getting physical with them. They're all bailing and running and giving them the free access, the easy release off the line of scrimmage. I think LSU is one of the only teams in the country, starting with Greedy Williams and some of the depth they have. Um, I think that they're the only team in the country that can actually get physical with them and press them. And I think 
that to me is going to be the most interesting part of that LSU Alabama game. And you you mentioned LSU, and obviously the Devin White not being there is that's that's a whole another story. Uh, but yeah. there needs to be some type of safeguard in play. Just think a little common sense in the second half of the game. Is that a as it was that a malicious? Dirty target, you know, personal foul, fifteen yards. You, 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 no right. targeting. You're in the game anyway. And then if uh, yeah, and, and then if we appeal it, even if we can't make sense of it, in, the, in you know, during the game, if you appeal it, we should probably use some common sense here. But yeah, go ahead. We're all on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the team that handed LSU its only loss uh, down in Jacksonville this week uh, against Georgia. Georgia, last time we saw them very reminiscent of the only loss they had during the regular season last year at Auburn. Uh, where are we with them? Right? Do they have the pieces right now, whether it's uh, the leadership on defense, uh, the health on the offensive line, uh, the continuity of quarterback, or the players at quarterback to make that type of run? Because uh, Florida is a seven-point dog right now. Seems to be very appealing to me, especially if that Georgia offensive line isn't going to be any better. I agree. I agree. I, I think Florida is better than people give them credit. And I think that, um, I think that Georgia, you know, we saw signs of it against Missouri. And Missouri, mm. for, they went on a three-week stretch that was just brutal. They lost their t- top two wide receivers. And they just were kind of, they were trying to hang around in games. And Gruach looked terrible uh, with, with nobody getting open. And, and I understood it. But being at that game, it was still a, a two-score game late, and they had they had four or five plays because we went back and studied it, getting ready for the Alabama game two weeks later. We even during the game we failed to realize how close that game was, and after really watching the the game back on tape, Georgia just I, I thought they were beat in in the trenches on both sides of the ball, which is so unusual. For Georgia, for the you know what we've seen the last couple of years from Georgia, so I think that it starts there. I'm really interested to see a quarterback how things play out. I, you know, I've seen as much as you guys have seen from Fields, and I I saw him warm up, and my goodness, he looks good. <laughs> but I don't know what he I don't know what he doesn't know. If that makes any sense, from a just from an understanding standpoint, football intelligence as a young guy who's just learning the system, so. It's and the coaching staff didn't want to talk to us at all about it, understandably. So um, I didn't pick up anything there either. So I think they're they're a team that's that could very easily bounce right back and wind up running the table and getting to that to the championship game and see what happens. Or they're a team that could maybe lose one or two more just because they're maybe not quite as developed and mature as, as they need to be. The talent's clearly there, but something's going on there, I think, especially in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it's, uh, speaking of the trenches, Todd, I mean, obviously the whole offseason, I mean, you were asked about Clemson and their defensive line. And to be honest, like, I just – I'm not saying they they would, they haven't been good this year. I just – I was expecting more more dominance – but then when I go back, like, and I go back and I watch the A and M Clemson game, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, A and M, like, it all it all mattered. Like all the stuff we talked about before that game, like Jimbo's familiarity with Clemson and Kelly Mond yep. having the ability to step up and the home crowd at A and M, like that was as as good of a win when you look back at the season. I think now that you could get as Clemson, and they still were shuffling the quarterbacks around. And then you look at last week where they just all they just put it together. I you know I think they were off a of bye week. Trevor Lawrence comes in and looks as good as he has. I'm Oof. just thinking, you know, is is that their ceiling? Is that the best we can see, you know, with the defense playing and then him, him airing it out and then obviously Etienne in the backfield? Is that good enough? You you feel that ceiling good enough to win a title? Uh, I think that ceiling is good enough to beat any team in the oh, country. I, is is is, is, is that the ceiling? Is this is the ceiling even higher? Do you think? Um, I think I think it could be a little bit higher if they were okay. able to to match to match what they got at quarterback with ETN. You know, mm-hmm. ETN only had I think thirty seven rushing yards last week. Yeah, on fifteen carries something. Or, uh, but he's you know, but he's he has eight eight hundred. He's been one of the best players in college football this year. Yeah. So if you match those two things, and listen, Ryan Finley's 
he's overmatched. He doesn't have the receivers. He doesn't have the protection and all that. that it, it's a pretty good football team. Mm-hmm. They've been scoring a little bit. But, um, but they, to shut down that team the way they did and to limit the yards per attempt the way that Clemson did, to pick him off twice, a, a veteran quarterback who's been pretty good with the football, and then on, on the flip side, to see your young quarterback come out and throw the ball against a really well-coached Dave Doran defense and, and a, a physical group up front, I, I think that, to me, for Clemson, that was – I don't want to say it's their best performance of the year, but it's the yeah. first time that they've got their quarterback that they want now in that spot, and he's playing the way that all the hype was you know, leading up to the season. I think that that's the kind of game that, that they, they go back and watch the tape. They've got to be pretty happy with what they did. So I, to me, that's good enough. That game, that performance is good enough to beat any team in the country but Alabama. I just don't know that Alabama is beatable. That's kind of the bottom line for me and all of this. I, I don't know that I've seen a team that's that good on in all three phases, not as good defensively as they've been, but still damn good. And offensively, one of the better quarterbacks we've seen in, in a long time with, like I said, I, I would argue the best supporting cast from offensive line to to wide receivers, to tight end, to running back. I mean, it, it, it's an unbelievable supporting <laughs> cast that Tua has around him. I, I don't know. I, I just I watch them and I, I look and I I don't know that any team that I watch is anywhere near this team. Yeah. And, and, and what what are they like minus two hundred or minus two fifty or whatever they are to win the national title? They'd be about an eight point favorite over Clemson. So I. I yeah, I think it, you're betting on Tua, Tua getting injured and and now, yeah. you know, Hurts not not bouncing back. I think that's that's what Vegas is is probably giving you that. If not, it might be minus like. 175. And you guys know the numbers better than me, but that, at this point in the year, what are we, nine weeks in? And just, a, and that, just imagine. That clear favorite? Just imagine if they, if and when they were to win at LSU next week, what are they going to be after next week, after their toughest road game? Like minus like 400 to win the title? It's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. All right. We'll let you go on this one. What's the score at halftime when Alabama goes to Baton Rouge? At halftime? Yeah, at halftime. Okay. Um, well, well, their undefeated first half line uh, <laughs> ATS stay intact. I think that that's the are? question. Are they undefeated in the first half? Oh yeah. And just Vegas, Vegas keeps jacking the number up. I'm sure, right? Yes. Oh yeah. And they and they and they st- like we had them against uh, we had them against Missouri, and it yep. felt like they were losing. Well, they had a punt. Like I mean, the the, 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 the audacity <laughs> to have to punt. <laughs> oh, it's crazy, man. Uh, I'll go with I'll go with twenty six wow. to fourteen. Oof. Whoa! My my guess is that would not be a, uh, a oh, first half. Put it up. I mean, four yeah, four fourteen's okay. Fourteen's a solid first half. The sad part is twenty twenty six is. I mean, they balled out in the first half. Yeah, twenty-six. Oh, yeah, I, I wonder. LSU might be happy being down twelve without Devin White in the first half. I think LSU might take that. Yeah, yeah. Todd McShay, very good, guys. Todd McShay, thank you very much. You can catch Todd, hey. of course, on the uh, the first draft podcast as well, and you can catch him in Happy Valley this weekend with Steve Levy uh, on in, in Greece on the call there, at Iowa, Penn State. Fair. How good was that scene in Purdue, man? That was. We we talked earlier about just the game day in in, in Washington State, but to go from yep. Washington State, where I started with that scene for game day, to, with the story, and yep. for them to win and the scene that night was just. It it's a day that you're like, am I really working? It was one of those <laughs> days in college football. It just lived up to every possible expectation uh, you could have yeah, I spent dozens of ga- days with you guys and amazing scenes and everything else. I don't know that you're, it's ever going to get better than that combo that you have. No, it won't. No awesome. chance. <laughs> no chance. We'll give Greasy and Levy our best, all right, bud? I will, fellas. Take care. Take care, guys. Right. What Augusta is to golf, Wimbledon is to tennis, and Keeneland is to horse racing. Located in Lexington, Kentucky, the horse capital of the world. Keeneland is a national historic landmark surrounded by rolling bluegrass. The Keeneland Fall Meet is currently running, but it ends this Saturday, October 27th, and hopefully I can have a big closing weekend on my uh, my on-the-wire account there. 
Some of the sport's best horse race, horses race at Keeneland. Many will be running in the Breeders' Cup World Thoroughbred Championships. Keeneland offers big pools and full fields for better. And they're right about that. The, the Keeneland late pick five was among my uh, favorite wager out there. Uh, with the Keeneland Select mobile app, bets can be made online, anytime, anywhere. Along with Keeneland's fall meet, wagers can be made all year long on tracks around the country, including the Breeders' Cup and the Kentucky Derby. On Twitter, Keeneland handicapper Jeremy Plonk, who's a very sharp guy, may I add, tweets out his picks every day from the Bet Keeneland handle. Wagering accounts cannot be opened by residents of all states. See keenelandselect.com backslash terms for full eligibility terms. Thanks again to Tom McShay. Uh, always great catching up with him. Worked with him, obviously, for years on the old College Game Day radio show. And, Barry, you've done plenty of work with him on game day. I mean, just – it really just shows he he, he – he, he looks at things like nobody else can, and it's why he's so good at what he does. But now, for what's for what for, for what you are really good at, for what you do, that oh, made no man. sense. But it's 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 got to come to an end. It's I, I have a real bad feeling about this week. Seeing how good last week was too, with all that came into it. Um, but yeah, it's time for our picks. Uh, and also, again, before all you Washington State people get mad at me, I'm sorry for not bringing you up in the one loss stuff with Mister McShay. But I still think you have a lot of work to do. And what we're going to do is we're going to start this week. We're going to go on the road. We're going to go to the mean streets of Palo Alto in what should be a packed house for a 4 p.m. local kickoff. Um, I, I, I've looked at this game a bunch the last couple years. Uh, it just feels like it's been a, I've, I've, a side here or there. Can, can I interrupt you one, one second really quickly? Yes. Arizona State. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, carry on as you were. I was thinking of you. I was on the sidelines for that one. Um, that was as bad as a beat as I've ever seen in the first half with that double reverse pass and then Stanford goes on a field goal. That's a bad beat if you had Arizona State in the first half. Anyway, uh, maybe a little Sun Devils talk in the back end uh, for Bear just to keep him happy. Um, but this Washington State-Stanford game has been very interesting to me, especially when you look at the last three years. Last year, Costello gets the start on the road, which is what Stanford fans wanted. Washington State, just a better team. Love wasn't healthy. Washington State was the only team to keep Love under 100 yards. Two years ago, uh, the Cougs go to Palo Alto and just put one on Stanford like we haven't seen in a while in Palo Alto. I think it was like 48-16. It wasn't pretty at all. And the year before, Washington State blows an a, a, a inexcusable game uh, with some leech play calling late. Uh, I believe it was 30-28. Stanford pulled that one out. So I think Washington State's been the best, better team the last three years. And, you know, they're two and one in those games, uh, obviously. I think without question, they're the better team here. And when you look at the factors, I know people are worried about the letdown effect of all the emotion last week, but this is Wazoo's fourth road game already this year. They lead the game, they lead the country in passing yards. Minshew's been unbelievable, 69% throwing, 23 TDs, six picks. And Stanford's like second to last in the conference in pass yards allowed, like, that right there is just it, – it, it, it's not a good combination. If, you, if you're looking at me at things from the Stanford side, you factor in love isn't healthy again, and you factor in Stanford's is as one-dimensional as they have slided towards the passing game than I think we have been since I played there on our Rose Bowl team in 99. So I just – I don't like this mixture. And like I always say, like home field's not a factor – um, Washington State's gone there and won recently. And Minshew's the real deal, man. The kid is – he's just got a great IQ when I watch him. Always knows where his dump-offs and his hot reads and his, and his side adjustments are. And they just – they got guys that make you miss on the perimeter um, with Aesop and those guys. So, I, 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 I'll take the three here. I know the line reeks a little bit. I just think flat out Washington State's the better team. And I think they ride the wave, and they, they they continue this awesome season that they're having. You have one team looking to avoid a, a bit of a letdown after last week. I'm yeah. going to continue that theme, Ooh. and I'm, I'm going to take Purdue plus a two and a half in East Lansing. Uh, 
Whoa. I, this team is really close to being undefeated. Uh, I think they're better than Michigan State. Offensively, when Knox and Moore and, and David Blau have it going, they mm-hmm. are a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams. Uh, this is a Michigan State team that offensively, uh, outside of, gosh, they, they've struggled all year long. Mm-hmm. Uh, running the ball, and Lewerke was terrible last week. Normally, I, I would say letdown spot, Michigan State bounce back off of the loss to the rival, but uh, I don't think so this week. I, I like Purdue, and look, I, I kind of got laughed at by a bunch of people on Twitter last week, which, of course, you can hey, it's fine. But it, it, is, it is not beyond the realm of a uh, possibility that Purdue finds themselves in Indianapolis at the Big Ten Championship game. They host Ooh. Iowa. They host Wisconsin. Wisconsin still has to go on the road to Penn State as well. There is a real chance Purdue could wind themselves wind wind up being in first place uh, in, in the Big Ten West, and if they if they play to their 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 level that they're capable of, uh, they, they they're better than Michigan State. And I, I like them on the road on Saturday. That's that's they're three and one in the in the division. Yeah, I'm looking at the standings here. Ah, that's that's a tough one for me. Um, I'm rooting for you. If I have to, if that's in the, if that's in my in my college football picks, uh, you know, pools I'm in this week. I think I'm have to lean Sparty there just because okay. of the, just because of the, the nuances that are going into that one. But man, that I mean, we backed it up right there. Wazoo and Purdue. You were at both places last week, as you mentioned with McShay. Those are the two best stories in college football, I believe. Like it's it's just awesome. And hey, the momentum. Let it take you where it goes. Uh, UAB uh, UAB is still a pretty good story as well. Yeah, but I mean, I'm talking about you know when we're talking about bowl games and and, and you know big time conference title conference games, time. you know getting that getting that way is is it's tough to beat those. Uh, up next, I uh, let's see where do we want to go. I'm going to go to my American Conference. Um, this one is it feels like. I've been waiting in the wings. I couldn't give out the the game at Tulsa a couple weeks ago because it was a weeknight game, I think. I almost but- did. I, I should have. <laughs> I should have. Oh, if but it, it, it's, it's USF. It's at Houston. Um, the big news here is I don't think Ed Oliver is going to play. Uh, I suffered a chop block injury uh, to Navy last week. Um but this has more to do with USF. I think they've been playing with fire here. I know they're seven and zero. I know they're three and zero in the conference. But so is Houston. Uh, USF has the ranking in front of them. I think Houston's the better football team. Um, five times this year, USF has trailed after the first quarter. It's bound to burn them. This Houston offense, we saw it early in the year against an inferior opponent in Arizona where they just jumped all, all over them. It's a 3.30 Eastern kick. The place would be a, a good atmosphere. Houston's been been good in, in building that thing with Major. Um, Derek King has been as impressive as anyone. When you look at the ability to throw and run in those in that spread offense, he's rushed for nine scores, thrown for 23. Uh, I saw Charlie Strong compared him to to his quarterback from last year, Quentin Flowers, but he, Derek King, he, King's way bigger. Um, and I like, I just, the speed, obviously, Bryles, uh, is the, is the OC calling things and, and they play as fast as anyone. I just think it's, it's about that time for USF. I, I think they've been, I, I mentioned they, they've been not what we thought, but they've still been able to get wins. Credit to them. I just think it's a tough spot. I'll take Houston minus seven and a half here. And and the line is telling you to take Houston. I went back and looked. Is that uh, good for me though? It is good for you. Okay. In the last forty years, uh oh, unranked teams versus seven and zero or better teams, there has not been a single instance of an unranked team being favored by more than a field goal over a team seven or or better in the last forty years. So this has never happened. This has never, at least as far back as I have data for, you've never had an unranked team favored by a touchdown over a 7-0 team. And the previous was a field goal. I mean, I think that the line is telling you all you need to know about what the right, the only side in this game you can play is Houston. 
All right. Well, I got another one that sort of looks like that. And I, I think you, if it's the same I'll let type you of theme, go first, buddy. The same type of theme. I have another note for you on that, and I think you'll like that one uh, just as much if I if you're Hype going if you're going the way I think you're going. Uh, All right. Well, you'll have to I'm wait. Gonna start, I'm going to start my day in Jacksonville, and I am going to end my day in Stillwater. I knew this one was coming. And how can you not take Oklahoma State plus the three and a half at home? Uh, coming off of how poorly they looked uh, in, in their last game, uh, week off, Ellinger is such a huge part of that Texas offense. He is not 100%. Uh, if he does play, he's such a key factor in the running game. He is going to take a pounding on that shoulder. Um, look, Texas is its a good story. They're buying in. They beat Oklahoma. This is still a team, though, that five of their seven games have been one-score games. Uh, another t- another one, they, they, they find themselves in in, in close games. They were, they were in a game, uh, Kansas State, that they wind up winning. The Tulsa game was a, a, a touchdown game. They're not at the level yet of Texas is back, Mac Brown, mm-hmm. heyday type games. Uh, this is a really good spot for Oklahoma State. And go back previous three years, they've only been a home dog twice. Beat Boise State earlier this year by, by 23. 2016 beat West Virginia by 17. Texas has been a terrible favorite. Uh, lately, one in six against the number of the last seven. It's a small number. So basically, you're, you're taking Oklahoma State. You're, you're, you're taking them to win the game, and I think they will. Wow. And Oklahoma State's wearing the Barry Sanders uniforms from 88. Can Barry, they... can, can Barry dress? Uh, I don't think so. I think he, all that eligibility uh, is, is gone. But, man, uh, Google their uniforms for this week. They are so mint, man. Like, And Oklahoma State's one of those teams now that's just gotten into the – they wear – sometimes you turn it on you don't even know who they are because they wear a different uniform every week. Correct. These things are so proper. Uh, they will play well in those uniforms. But that is – that's as, as smelly of a line as I have seen all week. Um, I have a feeling someone else I know will be uh, giving that game out <laughs> to uh, Thursday evening on a winner segment that is on ESPN after midnight Eastern. Um, moving on, uh, I mentioned that I have a game that's kind of like this Houston-USF uh, game, and it's going to the SEC East. And it's going to Ferret Field. It's 4 p.m. It's on the SEC Network. It's Kentucky at Missouri. Unranked Tigers, 4-3 and on the air, 0-3 in the SEC. 0-3 in the SEC are a seven-point favorite to the visiting number 12-ranked Kentucky Wildcats at 6-1, 4-1 the SEC. This is one of the lines. It just doesn't make sense to me. Give me a nugget, Bear. Not a chicken nugget. Give me a good news nugget. If you go back the last 40 years, there have been eight instances where an unranked team was favored by at least six points over a top 12 team. Those eight teams are 8-0 and straight up, 7-1 and against the number. And the only team that didn't cover, how about the great, great little note, note here, 1978, Stanford. Seven and a half point favorite in a bowl game versus George. How about that? Bill Walsh, Vince Dooley in a bowl game. Yep. Uh, last game to fit this mold was a 2006 bowl game between unranked Tennessee and number 12 Northwestern. The Vols were an eight and a half point favorite, 145 to six. If you want to limit it to games actually played on a home field, yeah. all, six, all six teams that were unranked played their game on a home field, were at least a six point favorite over a top 12 team. All six won. All six covered. Give me Mizzou. I don't need to say anything else. Kentucky can't throw the ball. Mizzou, actually, McShay talked about how brutal their schedule has been for that three-week stretch. Mizzou only allowing 131 yards on the ground. That's 35th in the country. And I was blown away by that, which made me even feel better about Missouri because all Kentucky can do is run the ball. They're on the road. Mizzou, let's get fired up. We got a little construction in one of the end zones. But hey, let's uh, let's get after it and uh, get a win here for Mizzou. Go Mizzou! M I Z Z O U. And Kentucky has Georgia next week as well, mm-hmm. so that's a game that they're really going to need. 
for any hopes to get to the SEC championship game. So if you want to factor that in as well. A little shout to Kentucky fans. If you guys do win and Georgia wins, game day is not coming to you. Okay? I just want to <laughs> let you know. Yeah, so it's I, not going to happen. I, I think number so one versus number bear. three or four, whatever LSU is going to be. I, I, I would, I would think that we're going to be there. But who Big knows? Blue Nation, I love you. You're crazy. That's why I do love you. But I know some people will be mad. So don't tweet Bear when game day's going to Bama and LSU. Hey, That's all I want to say. This is perfect. This is the role that Mark Stoops loves, though. They're 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 an underdog. Nobody thinks they have a chance and. Mm-hmm. This could be big for those Missouri season win totals, by the way. Oof. Seven and a could half. Be. We'll see what Seven happens. Seven and a hook. Seven and a hook. They got to go to Florida as well. What do you got next, my friend? I'm going to go uh, Thursday night before we – people might want a Thursday night pick. People might be listening to this Thursday, so before we get too late, I, I like Appalachian State. Uh, I think they're a really good team, but I think the loss of Jalen Moore – this could be a spot in Statesboro against Georgia Southern. Now, I, I'm shocked this number is that big. Nine and a half, that's a lot of points against a team that can run the football really, really well. Uh, they're a team that are, they've already eclipsed their season win total on the year. It just feels like sure did. home dog, Appalachian State ranked for the first time ever. Now you're you got the target on your back and your offense is shorthanded. Seems like a lot of points to be laying on the road. I like it. Uh, that, that's, that's the most interesting game to me Thursday night, actually. Um, we got more picks. We got our money line picks. And I just got a text message for a steamer. So let's go to break. Let's go to break and we'll get all that after this. And then in a big-time steamer condo pick that you can bet your condo on. Well, we had, He's we, back! We, we had a re- He's we, back! We had a refinance after the UCF Memphis pick a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, that was so we, that so was so real We got the refinancing, and, he, and, we, and we got a new one. I like it. He is back. And it's the first game when you're looking at the sheets, uh, game 123-124. Look at the, you with rotation numbers. I love it. Oh, I got it right in front of me. So I figured, you know what? This is easy for people. You know, that's the biggest thing is why can't they ever just do it on times? We know that times are released after this. But the condo steamer, it's official. It's back after a bye week and a loss. We're going to get back on track. Coach D, Middle Tennessee State, Blue Raiders, minus four against Old Dominion. Take the Blue Raiders, he says, and it's a steamer. How about about ODU? The only two games they've won this year. As a massive underdog against Virginia Tech, and that ridiculous finish last year, last week rather. Yeah, uh, not that can't be repeated, right? <laughs> oh man, about as random as you can get. Good call. Um, what do we have here? Do you have uh, another pick to give out? I have two more. Um, I like Nevada. I had Nevada last week. At Hawaii, won easily as an underdog. Yeah. And I'm going to come right back with Nevada uh, as a home underdog, two-and-a-half-point home underdog. To, mm-hmm. uh, again, a San Diego State offense that's shorthanded. They haven't been a good favorite all year. Nevada's offense with Ty Ganji is a completely different animal. Uh, put up a bunch of points on Hawaii. Uh, played well. They, they played well lately with him in the lineup, and I, I think San Diego State is a small road favorite. I, I like the Wolfpack two words uh, to get a home upset win. All right. Napoli is on the board, by the way, in Paris. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yes. Hey, you can tell as we're taping this right now, I'm, I have uh, PSG in Napoli with a big away goal <laughs> at PSG. I didn't see who got it, but uh, Champions League. Check the box underway. scores, people. We'll check the box scores. Um, And go ahead. Your final. Oh, so you're done. I, I have a couple leans here. I mean, I, I'll give them out. I just I'm not sure if they're going to be official in right, the well, column. I, I can go. I can go my my my. And the last one, no, they're I, quick. I, the last one I think is the one that I like the most. I, I Whoa. like. I like. I Saving like, the best for last. I like Arizona as a nine and a half point home underdog against Oregon. Back to back conference road games for for the Ducks. Um, our our numbers we have Oregon is about a five point favorite in this game. 
This number's yeah. around 9.5 for 10, so we see some value in Arizona. And, and I was impressed with the way Arizona came hung around in that game uh, at UCLA last week. We'll see if Tate comes back. But but I, I think the way Oregon has played lately uh, in road games, 3-10 and 10 in their last 13 Pac-12 road games, 3-9-1 and one, uh, against the number in that span. We'll see if they can bounce back and uh, win in Tucson and not only win, but cover uh, win by double digits. I think that'll be tough. Yeah, uh, I would guess. No, this is a guess. If you want Arizona to wait, I think that's going to go up. You think it's going to go think? up? I do. Yeah, I could I could see this being a lot of uh, – I could agree with you on that. I, I think Oregon, uh, bounce back, loss – Still mm-hmm. can get to the Pac-12 championship game. No question about Tate. Arizona's really not that good. They've already lost to this team, that team at home. I think you're right. That game might touch 10. Yeah, right. And maybe even more as Saturday goes on. Ooh, I like you know that. What I, mean. I like yeah. that. I could see. I could see 10 and a hook coming there. Um, a couple leans I had, I had them written down. They're just... They stuck out to me. Army's a dog against Eastern Michigan. I know Eastern Michigan. That's probably going to be as ugly a game as you can watch. Can I give uh, you never, no- mind. never mind. Never mind. I got never another mind. nugget on that for you, by yeah. the way. Oh, what do you got? If you go back in the last six years, the ten games that Army has played against an FBS team the week before they played either Air Force or Navy, mm-hmm. they're one and nine against the number. Whoa. So. Might, 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 you might have a little, and if the quarterback is still hurt, that could be an issue. But, uh, there's a little bit of a history of Army the mm. week before they play a fellow service academy that they struggle. Feels like it's, that note is true with all the service academies. Yeah. Remember you had that one a couple weeks ago with me with Air Force. Yep. It turned out to be true. And my other one is, it's just trends. You people know how much I, uh, have been on the Nebraska overs that's treated us really well. It's just going against Louisville. Uh, Wake Forest is a, is a, uh, I think it's up to three. They're at, they're, they're, they're plus three at Louisville. Demon Deacons, I know it hasn't been pretty this year, but, uh, I just figure if there's a spot to get a win on the road in conference play, that would be, that would be one there. Uh, we do. You want to talk about some, you want to talk about some symmetry here, by the way? Louisville uh, five, Louisville five, 16 and one against the number of the last 22 games. Okay. In their last 22 games against FBS opponents, USC, 5-16-1 against the number. Something's got to give, Bear. <laughs> uh, speaking of something's got to give, we do have to touch on, on, on this game because you would know better off the top of your head. We were talking the other night, worst game of the season between two teams. And I'm going to go to the rent at noon this week. <laughs> For two and six UMass favored minus five against one and six UConn. UConn defense improved last week. Yeah, they hung in. I mean, that factor into my USF going against them this week. That's for sure. Do you know what the over under on this game is? I would guess it's gotta be 70. It was. I thought I saw it open. See. Hold on one second. I'm trying. I, I have the. I have the, the the rotation in front of me, so I'll. Uh, I'll look for it. It opened yeah, I, at seventy four. I, I see. It, I see it's seventy and a half. Is what I see it at. With that being said, uh, is that enough points? Five points to take UConn as my money line pick of the week. Of course it is. You can do whatever okay. you want with your money line pick right. of the week. I also think Arizona State. Yeah, if, if that happens, things are going to get, as we've said the, the last couple of weeks when kind of forecasting the college football playoff, and if you're not a, if you want Notre Dame out, if you're sitting there November 24th and you're banking on USC and Clay Helton to pull an upset to keep Notre Dame out of the playoff, it ain't happening. Yeah. Boy, I, I, I guess with my money line, don't I, don't I, ha- isn't Northwestern as a touchdown underdog an auto play on money line? Oh, that's the bit. That's our that's our friend Big Cats. That's his favorite. That's his favorite game. Big Cat, isn't uh, it? You go back last twenty last twenty two games, this two thousand fourteen as a dog sixteen and six against the number twelve outright wins, uh, beating them twice in the last four years as a dog. Is, is isn't that an auto play? 
I know they got Notre Dame left next week, but still, this is a chance to really gain control of the, 11 uh, the Big Ten West. 11 a.m. local for the Big Sleepy. Ten. Sleepy. God. Dyke Stadium. First Badgers. Uh, yeah, let's go for it. Purple Cats? Perfect. All right, so you're in for Northwestern. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so for the Big Mike Happy Recap, I am going Wazoo plus three, Missouri minus seven, Houston minus seven and a half, Iowa State minus three and a half. You, sir. I got Oklahoma State plus three and a half, Purdue plus two and a half, Iowa State minus three and a half, Nevada plus two and a half, Georgia Southern plus nine and a half, and Arizona plus nine and a half. And then give me, money. A, give me the money line, give me the cats. Yep, and give me the hooskies. Uh, I think that'll do it. Are we good on uh, have fun at the cocktail party? I will, yeah. We'll stay in. Sorry, I guess I'd start the day in Jacksonville, end up in Stillwater, and finish up and, and, and put my head down in the the, uh, the the Marriott Nashville Airport. Nashville. Oh, how do you get from Stillwater to Nashville? Um, there, there, there are planes that, that fly. There, there, there's a, there's a week, there's a, there's a, a, a Saturday night football <laughs> added route from, uh, from, from Stillwater to Nashville, like late at night. This week only though. Yeah, this week only. The, 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 only pre-Halloween weekend in Stillwater. Exactly. The, o- the only after hours flight there is <laughs> in the college football world. And you're on it, my man. Yeah. That's that. Uh, it, Stillwater is, Stillwater is tough. I mean, I think they have some American flights. Yeah. Go to Dallas, but Man. for those of us who are you know nearing those. that diamond medallion threshold for, for 2019, <laughs> yeah, we, we either have to either have to drive to Tulsa or drive to Oklahoma City, and that's a that's a rough drive to make either after that game or early on Sunday morning to get out. So we'll 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 go uh, Stillwater to, to to BNA and and then do a little BNA ATL BDL on Sunday. Home for the Jets on Sunday. Uh, yeah. What, what time's the game against the Bears? Is that an early game? You're or the Jets fan. I don't know. I'm, I, You're I, tapped I, out already. Well, You're looking at the draft. I, 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 yeah. Well, no, no, no. We're we're okay. Well, I won't at, get up to One p.m. at Chicago. Okay, so I'll get home. I'll get home for the second half. All right. Hopefully, uh, Sammy D's still in the game. Yeah, that was disappointing last week. They they, they played terribly and they hung around and they got to get some guys for him to throw yeah, the ball. I know. Too. Jeez. I know. At least they didn't give up a first round pick for Amari, for Amari Cooper. Ooh, little dig, little dig. All right. How how, uh, how are you trading a first round pick for Amari Cooper? Because he's he's Jera. He does whatever he wants. I love him. I loved him in Alabama. Maybe, but gosh, <laughs> I think I think it's actually going to be a good good thing for him and the Cowboys. I hope so. I hope so. I hope it's a good thing yeah. for him. I hope it's a good thing for the Cowboys, and I hope that the Raiders get a good player with the pick next year. What do you think of the first week of NBA so far? I heard I heard there was a fight on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. A couple punches were thrown. Yeah, I heard about that. Um, I only know this because I heard it on uh, Follow the Money this morning with Mitch and Paul. I guess the Lakers are 0-3. Is that right? Yeah. The Lakers haven't won yet? There you go. See, you're that's, dialed that's, in. You that, act that, like you're that's, not that's dialed pre- in. That's pretty much. And the only thing I know, the only other thing I know is that the Warriors played in Utah last Friday and then uh-huh. played somewhere in Sunday on Sunday, which was why Clay Thompson couldn't get to Pullman to be the, the guest picker on the show because of his that were that, that little job he has playing for the for the Warriors. So that that's pretty much all I know. That would be Denver. Was it Denver? Okay. Yep. All right. And then we're gonna leave you with every week. All right. Bear. Can you tell? Hold on. No, this is this is going to be a this weekly thing. Okay. Yes, this is going to be a weekly thing. Can you tell me who the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference is in the NBA right now? Oh gosh. <laughs> um. Orlando. Correct. <laughs> Winner. I, I, I'm, Correct. I'm trying to think of some like ridiculous team. It was either going to be like a ridiculous team that has no shot of making the playoffs. Or it could have been like somebody that is going to be really good, like either like the Celtics or the Sixers, right? No, no, I'm not trying to trick you. Just just trying to give it for the people. And by, the by, 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 by the way, yeah. I, um, I had a, a friend of mine play some NHL win totals 
uh, season point season point totals. I got one of those too. Well, I I, I have I, I had him play three of them. I okay. said go Vegas Knights under ninety nine and a half. That's the one I Blues have. over and Panthers over. The mm-hmm. two teams tied for the most overtime losses in the NHL as far. The Blues and the Panthers. <laughs> How about that for luck? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's cringeworthy, man. That those I, I I've learned very quickly about those, and also when it goes to overtime now. Because those overtimes don't last long. You got to be, you got to take care of that puck. We'll balance that out though. Georgia Southern, we're over. Buffalo, we're over. Uh, ODU is going to be a loss. Wyoming will be a loss. But Auburn's an under. Central Michigan's about to be an under. Sunge is about to be an under. So uh, we're, uh, we're 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 doing okay. I'll just say the red bandana game means a lot to me, buddy. I think you're going to be on the right side of that one. I think you're going to get the the win that you need. Uh, we'll see. I hope so. Uh, yeah, you no should go there Friday pains. night. You should go there Friday night and then just drive down straight from uh, Chestnut Hill to the rent on, on Saturday. <sighs> That's a double dip right there. <laughs> I wish you. I wish it was the other way around though, because I'm more fired up for UMass UConn. You remember that old rivalry? Remember when Cal Perry and Calhoun wouldn't play each other? That was That's why they're playing. Correct. They said, "Hey, you football teams play." <laughs> but uh, I, all right, I think that'll be do it. That'll do it. Uh, Bear will be at the. Uh, Cocktail party and Stillwater. Uh, Take us away, Bear. The less you bet, the more you lose when you win. Bingo.